Uh, in March, uh, 16 of us went to Israel, and um, we uh, had a great time, an incredible time. My father was on the, on the trip with us, which I was excited that he came, uh, uh, 81 years old, and he did great. He really did, and it was great that he was there. Um, one of the things that I guess really it hit me, you have a few moments, you remember how you have moments, something's happened, and it's just one of those wow moments of your life. And this was one of them. We were on our first full day of uh, touring Israel. So it was towards the end of the trip. And uh, dad was getting tired. The roads and streets in Jerusalem are very up and down. Uh, beautiful city. I, I did wonder a couple times why God didn't pick a place that's flat. It would just be much easier to get around. But it's very up and down, cobblestone streets, a lot of stairs within the streets. And so I was really keeping an eye on my father. We started on the Mount of Olives, and then we were walking down into the Garden of Gethsemane. And I had dad and just watching him and helping him along and him having my arm and throughout the day. There's actually some pictures uh, that are funny that other people were also helping him because I would be out doing some other things with the group and watching other people. And so other people were helping him as well. But as we were walking down the Mount of Olives, I, it just, it was just one of those wow moments that here I was with my father, 81 years old, walking down the Mount of Olives towards Jerusalem, and just one of those incredible experiences. We talked to him a few days ago, we talked to him this morning, but a few days ago, the first of the week we talked to him, and he, he was really excited about the trip. He goes, you know, if you're going again, I'd like to go. But he said, don't make it too long before you go again. <laughs> the, uh, the picture on the, oh, it flipped, but that picture on the side where dad's touching the wall is during the, uh, the walk of the cross, the different stages of the cross. And that particular spot, they say, is where Jesus leaned against the wall. And it was just one of those incredible moments to see him there, uh, a trip of a lifetime for him, and experiencing those uh, those things together was really great. It did make me think as we were walking down the Mount of Olives, and the scripture came into my mind that we're going to share today, that um, it reminded me about, about God, that dad could lean on me, and I just kept thinking how when I was a child, he would have helped me, and now I could help him. And how God, as our loving Heavenly Father, is always there to help us, that we can lean on him, we can rely on him, we can get the help that we need. Again, the word we heard from his spirit this morning is he is faithful to his word, to his promises. His love never changes, and that is something that we can rely and lean upon him for. Let's stand together. And we'll read this text together. This is the whole thing. So we'll be able to read it all together. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our Heavenly Father, we just pray in the next few minutes that God, you would open your word to us, speak to us, I pray. God, and be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. I look at this verse, 
and leaning on God and relying upon God and coming to God takes a few things. So a few steps came to mind. First of all, we need to admit that we need the help. Now that was true for my father as well, that he came to a point where, uh, although he's not a, you know, not a, a hard guy to get along with or anything, but he knew he needed help. And so when I was there or someone else was there to help him and to keep him steady, he reached out to that. And that's something that really is important for all of us. We all at times in our life need help, uh, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whether that's from other people or from God. We all at times need help. The problem is sometimes we can be stubborn. We can have pride where we won't lean on anyone. We can be loners where we're so used to doing things on our own that we just have that mentality of just doing it ourselves. There's a lot of other things that can come into that as well. I mean, there can be fear and, and bringing up hurts of relying on people, but then sometimes being hurt by them and so that we can, we can kind of pull back. Now, that's true in our human relationships, but sometimes that's true with God. Or we can be honest that we do need help. We do need someone outside of ourselves to either steady us, to help us, to carry us, to help us through. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Now, in Jesus' day, as you look at this, there, there were a lot of religious rules besides the law. Uh, the religious leaders had developed hundreds and hundreds of these rules and regulations that really overwhelmed the people and almost made it impossible for them to really be a good Jew at that time. And so it was really difficult for them under that load of rules and regulations. But they were also dealing with sin, just like us. They needed a savior, just like we all need a savior. Life itself, we know that life itself has problems. That there are good days and then there are other days where situations come along. Even, even for Christians, we know that we face difficulties, hardships, that at times become difficult to do on our own. The thing is, we don't need to do it on our own. These things can also be from our past that weigh us down, that, that load us down with carry that, that cares that, that kind of drag into every new day. We take these things that have happened to us sometimes from years ago and we bring them into the future. Every day we bring these loads, these heaviness into each day. Sometimes it's the present, just the things that are on our, our plate, the pressures, the responsibilities, situations, decisions that have to be made. And again, they weigh us down with a load that becomes so difficult it's hard to carry. For some, maybe it's the future. What is to come? What might happen? Fears, uncertainties, worries that weigh us down. Things that haven't even and might not happen, and yet they affect us and load us down for the day. The first step in finding peace and rest is to admit that we need to come to God and get what we need. The next part is surrender. Take my yoke upon you. Now, this is not about adding to our load. It's about laying down our load, our laying down our burden, our sin, our scars that we have, and taking upon the call that we've received from Christ to be a follower, his follower. 
He's already taken the heaviness out of what he asks us to carry. Upon the cross, he died for our sins to free us, to free us of all guilt, of all shame. He paid the price that we might know the freedom that comes in trusting and living in him and for him. Amen? He's taken the heaviness already out of the load he asks us to carry. Jesus brings, Jesus brings with us the, the, the forgiveness that we need. He wipes away all that heavy yoke that we can carry, the things of this world or of our own life, and he replaces it with his joy and peace and love as he spoke to us this morning. He takes what we would see as impossible and makes possible as we give ourselves to him. The Holy Spirit, it partners with us, comes into our life when we believe in Christ as our Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit comes into us and has partnered with us to help us carry. We don't do it alone. Even helps us know what to carry and what not to carry. Coming to Christ, there's this whole thing of, of even changing the way we think and understand things. And God's working within us, trying to help us understand those things that we should carry and those things that we shouldn't. To help us know that he's there to help us even to understand what we need in our life and what we don't. Life, even for Christians, has its hardships, its trials, its hurts. The world itself, at times, can weigh us down. And we are influenced by the world. We can't help but be products of our society. From childhood, we have been influenced by, by media and TV shows and commercials, all this kind of thing, that they're part of our way of thinking. And sometimes they weigh us down when we have to try to carry the load of what the world says we need to be, what the world says we need to accomplish, what the world says we need to look like or act like. And when we have that load and that pressure on us, it weighs us down. The Holy Spirit helps us understand what we shouldn't carry, what we should get rid of, and what we should carry, and what we should hold on to. Writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It was a little while ago I was visiting with some people. Again, dealing with end-of-life issues. And we were talking about scriptures and our thoughts came to this scripture. And that phrase, who for the joy, set before him. And we began to talk and share. I remember years ago, this scripture and that phrase came real to me. Do you know what that joy was that helped Christ endure all that he would endure? You were that joy that was set before him. He endured the pain, the agony of the, of the cross because he knew it would set you free. 
and that you would become a child of God. What astonishes me even more is that I'm that joy that was set before him. Christ has done what he has done so that you could know God and know the fullness of being his child by being loved by him. Draw near to him because he loves you. He wants the best for you. Draw near. Draw near to him. We know as as Christians that we're not perfect. We are made righteous, but we know we still have struggles. But we don't need to carry the load or that guilt, sin, or shame anymore. We need to let go of the world and the things of the world that are holding us back. We need to take hold of what Christ has taken hold of us for. There's an old hymn. I sing it still in the nursing homes often. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. Our third point is to respond. The text goes on and says, And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. We lay down and we pick up. We lay down those things, we surrender our life to Christ, and we pick up what he has given to us through the cross, through his own scars. We pick up what he has already accomplished and won and gives to each and every one of us. New life, hope, that we are no longer outsiders, but God considers us as children and loved by him. This is a lighter load. Now, understand that it's not, it's not freedom to do whatever we want, to get away with whatever we want. It's not about me, me, me. This freedom is not even freedom just from the Old Testament laws and rituals because sometimes when you read the scriptures, even what Christ calls us to do seems even harder or stronger than what the law said. But it is being set free from sin and the fear of death and the grave. That God's grace and the blood of Christ has won a victory for us that we could never win on our own. And we have the hope of a relationship with God now and for eternity. Learn from me. Learn about how to live like Christ taught us to live. His teachings, his example versus the worldviews or their values. 
We need to learn from him about how to serve, serve as he did, as he directs, as he instructed. He gave us an example that we should follow in his example. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, the scripture says. God is not a slave driver, and he's not a joy killer. Sometimes people in the world think of coming to Christ as giving up all the fun things. God isn't a joy killer or a slave driver. He gives joy that will last, that isn't based upon a situation or an event. He gives a peace that no matter what the day holds and no matter what we go through, there's a peace that holds us steady that keeps us on the course. He is our loving Heavenly Father. The suffering of Christ on the cross proves the greatness of God's love. If you've ever questioned if God loves you, then look to the cross. Read the scriptures of what Christ endured for you and for me and know that it was the love of God that took him through that. It was our sin that put Christ on the cross. He died for our sins. But it was his love for you and for me that kept him there. At any time, he could have been gone. At any time, he could have left this world. He could have left the pain, the agony, the suffering, but he didn't. Because of his love for you and for me, he stayed on that cross. If you ever wonder if God loves you, then think of the cross. And know that with his arms open wide, he was opening wide forever a relationship with God through him. You can trust God. What he has for you is greater, will last longer and fill your life fuller than anything this world offers and promises to give you. But it will require a change in our thinking. From a world point of view, to viewing things the way Christ has taught us to live. Again, looking in the scriptures, Romans 12 says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Coming to Christ, leaning on him, giving ourselves to him, helps us understand and know how to live and what God wants for us. The last part is to receive. Jesus said, you will find rest for your soul. I read an article in the New York Times, uh, dated from May 2019, The writer had just accomplished for Netflix a a documentary series, uh, The Innocent Man. He talks about being on a high, he was so excited. And then he says after a few days, he found himself looking at an empty calendar, crying. He had reached his goal, he had accomplished what he had set out to do and what had taken years to accomplish. And yet, at the end, he found himself crying within days of accomplishing it. He goes on and talks about a rival fallacy, it's called. This is the illusion that once we make it, 
Once we attain our goal or reach our destination, we will reach lasting happiness. This was quoted from a professor, Dr. Tal Ben-Sher, a Harvard-trained positive psychologist expert who is credited with coining the phrase. He goes on to say that Dr. Ben-Sher said that a rival fallacy is the reason some Hollywood stars struggle with mental health issues and substance abuse later in life. These individuals start out unhappy, but they say to themselves, it's okay, because when I make it, then I'll be happy. He said, but when they make it, and while they may feel briefly fulfilled, the feeling doesn't last. This time, they're unhappy, but more than that, they're unhappy without hope. He explained that before, they lived under the illusion, well, the false hope, that once they make it, then they'll be happy. The article goes on and talks about the relationships that people need in their life, that some people are even sacrifice relationships, all kinds of things in in order to reach their goal. But then once they reach it, once they make it, they find themselves empty. That that joy, that happiness that they thought would hold them and carry them through didn't last. And they find themselves sometimes emptier than what they were before. I would go on and I would say to you that relationships are important and relationship with God is the most important. Sometimes in life we get so busy and we're after so many things and focused on achieving so many things that God gets kind of left to the side. Now, I know I'm talking to the church here. I know I'm talking to believers and Christians. But we can be honest with ourselves, can't we? That sometimes in life, we get so busy and focused on on things that God kind of gets set to the side. And then we wonder why we're not happy. And then we wonder why we don't have the peace or the joy that we hear about, we sing about, we read about in his word. In living your life, even in living your life for God, make God a part of it daily. Walk through your day with God. Ask God to help you. That is one prayer I know he wants to answer. But like Pastor Todd would say, put on your seatbelts. Because we're not always the easiest ones to be taught, are we? And sometimes we have to go through some things in order to realize what we really and who we really need is God in our life. Daily. Trust him. He loves you. He wants the best for you. It might be different than the best you think. January, February, March, I often think that, that God, are you sure I'm not supposed to be on a Caribbean island preaching? They need pastoral care down in the islands, Lord. I know they do. (laughs) Sometimes God's plans for us aren't always what we think. But if we trust him, they are the best. And he will take us and he will use us and be glorified in us and we will experience a joy and a peace that this world can't give and this world can't take away. That's the promise of his word. Amen? 
in these relationships and God, all kinds of people in North America, and I know we can even relate to that, that we, we get something we really want and it doesn't last and we're always struggling with something more. We don't find that rest for our souls. Sometimes the heavy load that we're carrying is things in our past, things that are behind us, things done to us, against us, or towards us. These things, these hurts, these scars rob us of the life that we can have in Christ today and every day. We've all experienced hurts in our life, whatever level we might look at those, sorrows, disappointments. But as we read through God's word, we can kind of see a different point of view. We can see things different. That hurts and scars can sometimes help us draw closer to God and keep us close to God. Sometimes they hurt, but sometimes it's in that state of hurt that we go closer to God. Remember when the kids were little and they fall and they hurt? Typically they wanted mommy. I was the fun one. <laughs> Leanne laughs. But you can see it in little kids. They fall, they get hurt, and they want to be comforted. We're just big kids that sometimes the hurts in our life sometimes can draw us closer to God. If we're honest again, and we see our need of God, and we draw close to him. Romans says this, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has, not, has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Even Paul recognized that the sufferings, the scars, the hurts that he went through work in us, develop within us. God is using them to make us something that brings him glory and honor. And God's love is there the whole time. Don't allow your hurts, the scars in your life, to pull you away. See them as something that can bring you closer to God and that you can experience the heart of God like never before. This may not be a surprise, but I have a song that we're going to play, a video. It's called Scars, and I'd like you to listen to it. water and deepest pain I wouldn't trade it for anything cause my brokenness brought me to you and these wounds are a story you'll use so I'm thankful for them I would 
your scars Cause without them I wouldn't know your heart And with my life I'll tell of who you are So forever I am Don't take so much time and struggle with the scars, the hurts of the past, or the things that are going on now. That we are so focused on them that we lose sight of Christ. Take the scars, the hurts, those things, whether past, present, or future, and give them to Christ. Let them draw you closer to him that you might know him. Know his heart, know his love for you, know his strength and his power of who he is. You see, God knows scars. God has scars. Jesus has scars. Jesus met after his resurrection with the disciples. Remember Thomas? When Thomas was finally there, he said, here, put your finger in the holes. Put your hand in the, in the side where the spear went in. Jesus knows all about scars. But you know what amazes me is that when Christ was getting those scars and facing a pain that we cannot imagine, what did he pray? What did he pray as they nailed him to the cross? What did he pray? Father, forgive them. He didn't carry the pain of what was being done to him, the anger and hurt that he could have experienced. He didn't carry it into the future. He didn't carry it into what God was doing in him. He laid it down. He laid it down. The pain and hurt is real. But that doesn't mean you carry it or need to carry it. Jesus didn't. He laid it down. And he picked up your sin. And he picked up my sin. He picked up the penalty that I should have carried, that I should have suffered. That's what he picked up. He died for our sin and arose victorious. We have victory because of his scars. We have victory over this life and all that it might throw at us because of the scars of Christ. Draw near to him, know his heart, know his love. And as much as he loves you, he even loves those people that have hurt you or those situations he can see you through. He might not take you out of them, you might have to go through them. And it might be a difficult journey, it might be hard. But he will take every step with you if you lean on him, if you trust in him, if you take his word as being truth.
and you hold on to the love that never changes. Throughout God's word, he reveals himself and he is still revealing himself to people today. If we take the time to look at his word. In closing, I want to read this. In Genesis, God is the God of promise. In Exodus, the God of power. In Leviticus, the God of purity. In Numbers, the God of perseverance. In Deuteronomy, he's the God of preparation. In Joshua, he's the God of the land. In Judges, he's the God of the rebels. In Ruth, he's the God of redemption. In 1 Samuel, he's the God of the heart. In 2 Samuel, he's the God of the throne. In 1 and 2 Kings, he's the God of Israel. In 1 and 2 Chronicles, the God of Judah. In Ezra, he's the God of the temple. In Esther, he's the God of the gallows. In Nehemiah, he's the God of the walls. In Job, he's the God of pain. In Psalms, he's the God of praise. In Proverbs, he's the God of prudence. In Ecclesiastes, the God of purpose. In Song of Solomon, the God of passion. In Isaiah, he's the God of glory. Jeremiah, the God of weeping. Lamentations, the God of faithfulness. In Ezekiel, the God of visions. In Daniel, the God of history. In Hosea, he's the God of the unfaithful. In Joel, he's the God of the locust. In Amos, he's the God of the oppressed. In Obadiah, he's the God of the mountain. In Jonah, he's the God of compassion. In Micah, he's the God of justice. In Nahum, he's the God of wrath. In Habakkuk, he's the God of sovereignty. In Zephaniah, the God of judgment. Haggai, the God of renewal. Zechariah, the God of restoration. In Malachi, the God of worship. In Matthew, he's the God of the Jews. In Mark, the God of the Romans. In Luke, he's the God of the outcasts. In John, the God of the world. In Acts, he's the God of power. In Romans, the God of righteousness. In 1 Corinthians, the God of holiness. In 2 Corinthians, the God of all comfort. In Galatians, he's the God of justice. In Ephesians, the God of unity. Philippians, the God of joy. In Colossians, the God of preeminence. In 1 Thessalonians, the God of encouragement. In 2 Thessalonians, the God of admonishment. In 1 Timothy, the God of godliness. In 2 Timothy, the God of endurance. In Titus, he's the God of works. In Philemon, the God of reconciliation. In Hebrews, he's the God of fulfillment. In James, the God of trials. First Peter, the God of the persecuted. In Second Peter, the God of patience. First John, the God of love. Second John, the God of truth. Third, third John, the God of discernment. In Jude, he's the God of protection. In Revelation, he is the God eternal. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. He is the one who will see us through to the end. Put your faith, put your trust in him. Hold on to him, whatever the day holds. If you're going through a time and season is good, then draw near to him. Take the time to know him and his word. If you're going through struggles, if you're carrying a load that you have been carrying for years, I encourage you and I call to you to lay it down and take up what he has given to you. If you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never come to that place where you have said, forgive me of my sins and be Lord of my life, be Savior of my life, then I encourage you to do that. It's as simple as asking him to. Church, God has great things in store. Amen? Carla, could you come? He has great things in store for you. But it takes us drawing near to him and being faithful and seeking him and holding on to him to see the fulfillment of what he has for us. To see that fulfilled in our life and I pray in our families, 
I pray in our church and our city and our country. It's time that we drew close to him like never before. That we sought him, that we seek after him, and that we know him and then live for him. That he might work in us and through us for his glory and to touch those around us. Amen.